Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is the Living a Naturally Healthy Life with Delane MD podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. I am a board certified family practice doctor and a certified life and weight coach. So what I help people do, my business is called Delane MD. What I help people do is I help them live a naturally healthy life. For some people, this means they want weight loss and they want to get down to a normal weight so that they avoid all the um, disease, the chronic disease processes that come with obesity and overweightness. And then for other people, that means that they're normalizing their type 2 diabetes. Remember diabetes and obesity, they go hand in hand. The physiology behind diabetes and the physiology behind obesity are very similar so it's very easy to do both weight loss and diabetes at the same time so welcome to the podcast if you're new if you're old welcome back to the podcast i have not picked up smoking recently um i have been remodeling my house and i've been getting a lot of dust and stuff inhaled into my lungs so i feel like i sound like extra raspy for a normally raspy voice anyway i sound extra raspy today I also am not videoing this. For those of you who have listened for the last few episodes, you know that I have kind of started videoing these so that I can post them out on YouTube because I've had people request the podcast be posted up on YouTube and that platform. I'm going to tell you today that I'm not videoing because we're remodeling and our internet router is not uh, working correctly. So I couldn't sign into Zoom. Pretty much, folks, that's the excuse I'm using. I could probably go figure out the internet router and maybe even I could like connect my uh, computer to my iPhone and have my hotspot be uh, the router for me. The fact of the matter is I haven't showered. (laughs) This is the struggle of making these videos, right? Like I have to be presentable when I do my podcast. And that is still something that's not really in my routine when I do my podcast on Sunday mornings. So I'm going to totally blame it on the internet issue. But the fact of the matter is I just haven't gotten myself up and around. And I really want to get this podcast out for you guys. Again, my house is kind of, I don't know, it's in an uproar. Things are torn down. Walls are torn out. Kitchen tables are in living rooms. It's, it's a little chaotic here at the house right now. And that's probably the bigger issue going on. Yes, yes, I know that is all a thought. None of that is a circumstance, but it's where I'm at right now and I'm okay with living in that space right now. So we're recording this podcast today without any video. When it goes up on YouTube, it will be without video also. So let's get into it. Today, I want to talk with you about kind of the first step in making this decision to live a naturally healthy life and making the decision to do what I call taking kind of exquisite care of yourself, taking exquisite self-care, right? Like 
learning to take good care of you from a place of love, from a place of your best interest. So the first step in that involves making that decision, right? So when people come to me and they want to work with me or they want to hear about what I have to offer, they have been living in a couple of different places, right? Typically there's this lack of belief, right? There's a lack of belief either in themselves or in the possibility that something is different, that something could be different. So when I talk about the lack of belief in self, what that looks like is folks come to me and they don't think that they could be different. Like, I don't know how to be a different person. Or they have what I call competing desires. They have the desire to be healthy and they have the desire for Oreos. Or they have this like concern, like, I don't know who I'm going to be if everything about me changes. If I'm not the person that I am today, the one that eats the Oreos, the one that eats all the food, right? So when they come to me and they don't believe that they that anything could ever be different, they have a, a lack of belief in their selves to be different. We work on that, right? Like that's the first step. How do we work on believing that I could be different? A lot of this comes from they see what they've already done, right? There's that quote that if you don't change anything, nothing changes, right? Like it kind they're wrapped up in that. Like, I don't know how something would be different. I don't even know how to do something differently because I don't know how to make that change. And sometimes that's the first step in coaching. Okay, let's get beyond that belief. I always tell folks when I start working with them, like, I'm your advocate. I advocate for who you will be in the future. I advocate for your dreams, the things that you don't even know are possible yet. That's my job. I hold belief in that until you can hold belief in that. That's the first step, right? Like is working on changing that belief. So if you believe that there is nothing that you don't know how you'd be different, that you don't know how to make that change, that's the first step. And again, some of this comes from that competing desire. So what do I mean? I mean, a competing desire, again, is the desire to be healthy and the desire to eat Oreos all day long. We think something is wrong because the desire for Oreos are still there. Like we want that desire to go away. Like I want a magic experience, a lightning bolt experience to make that desire for Oreos go away. And we feel uncomfortable. We feel like something is wrong because I have the desire for Oreos and I have the desire to live healthy. And what I offer to folks when we start working together is nothing's gone wrong. You are totally normal. I tell many folks, and I think I've even shared this story on the podcast before, that I will wake up. My, my One of my children has, well, both of my twins. We have seven kids. I have a set of twins. The twins have asthma. They were born prematurely. I don't know if that's why. I don't know. What I know is they both have dealt with asthma throughout their life. My son, my my the I have a boy-girl twin, my son of the set of twins, really deals more with your typical asthma. He has exposure to cat dander, which I don't think that gives him a big problem. But dust definitely gives him a big problem. His asthma definitely kicks up when there's dust. So again, we live in a 110-year-old house. We are remodeling things all the time. There's a lot of dust in our house. So most of the time he does well. He has his albuterol, his albuterol, his rescue inhaler at his bedside. He knows how to use it. 
and he uses it. I mean, he's 12 years old. He uses it on his own well. But there are times in the middle of the night where I wake up because he's coughing. Like I can hear him coughing in his room and that wakes me up. So here's the deal about competing desires. In that moment, when I hear my son having an asthma attack coughing, I have competing desires. The competing desire of wanting to sleep at 3 a.m., stay in bed in my comfy sleep and slumber. I want to sleep and I want my son not to die of asthma, right? Like I don't want him to have a bad asthma attack that would be life-threatening, right? I don't want that. Like I want to sleep, but I want my son to have his asthma dealt with, right? Those are competing desires at 3 a.m. when I wake up hearing him cough. Right. And so I'll lay in bed for a moment and listen, hear whether he uses his albuterol. Do I hear him getting it or do I hear him keep coughing because he too wants to sleep? Right. He's in this, you know, a twilight moment where he's awake coughing, but maybe not awake enough to realize that he needs the albuterol. I have competing desires in that moment. Does it make me a bad mother? I don't think so. I think it makes me a human being. I want to get my sleep. And I want my son not to die of an asthma attack. They exist in the same space and they cannot both be present at the same time, right? Like I can't stay in my bed and sleep and treat my son's asthma. I can't do both. Like one has to happen, right? So I make a choice consciously from the space of I don't want my son to die of an asthma attack. And I get my tail out of bed and I go and help my son with his asthma, right? Nothing's gone wrong in that scenario because I have both desires, right? I'm not faulty. I'm not the worst mother in the world, although I certainly could give myself that story, right? I'm just a human being that wants to sleep and loves your son at the same space, right? I make an action. I choose to have an action from a certain thought, though. I want to treat my son's asthma. I want to make sure he's comfortable. I want to make sure he's okay. And I get out of bed and I go treat my son's asthma. That's competing desires. We have this with food and our health all the time, right? Like we have the desire to eat healthy and live a naturally healthy life. And I have the desire to eat Oreos all day long. Nothing's gone wrong. I'm a normal human being. I have both of these desires. I'm not a bad person or weak or have no willpower or self-discipline because I want the Oreos. I'm not bad because of it. It's just what it is. I can choose where I make my action from. I can choose to make my action from that place of the Oreo desire, or I can choose to make my action from the place of I want to live a naturally healthy life, right? It's just an option. These are just choices I have to make, right? So that is a lot of times people think because they have these competing desires because they still want the Oreos, something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. You're just a normal human being. When we coach together, we learn to turn down the volume for the desire of Oreos and turn up the volume on the desire to live a naturally healthy life. And then it just gets easier. But of course, in the moment, we believe like, I must not be ready because I still desire the Oreos. You're totally ready. You're never going to be more ready. Like you just have to learn how to do this differently. So the other thing that people come to me with a lot of times is they're afraid of who they're going to become when they make the changes, when they start living the naturally healthy life. They have stories like I've worked so hard to love myself for who I am, exactly how I am. Now I want to change everything. Does that mean I don't love myself? And what I always offer to people when they come to me, and this is a, this is like a legit story, right? Like 
I worked so hard to accept myself for who I am right here, right now. If I go making all these changes, it seems like it's an inherent belief that I don't accept me for who I am. And what I always offer is like, I loved my son at age two, my 20 year old, 22 year old son now at age two, right? I loved him. He was in diapers. He threw tantrums. He acted like a two year old, right? I totally loved him then, but I wouldn't love that my 22 year old was doing all those things, right? I wouldn't love that he was in diapers that I had to deal with, right? Just because he grew, just because he made changes in his self-interest, right? So that he could be a functional 22 year old out there in the world doesn't mean I loved him or loved that version of him at two years old any less, right? I loved him at two. But at 22, there's a lot of things that I expect that he's kind of progressed beyond and doesn't do from when he was two years old, right? It's the same thing. Like I can love me who I was and I do like has so much compassion for that person five years ago who didn't know about all this thought work and was just really reacting to life as it came at me, not being intentional. I, I totally have compassionate, deep love for that person. I was just trying to get by, but I really wanted more for myself. I realized that if I could get beyond that, those things that were holding me back, that so much more, I would have so much more in my life. So it doesn't mean that you don't love who you are unconditionally or continue to love who you are right now unconditionally. You can do that and still want to progress, want to develop, want to have growth in your life. And that's what I encourage folks to do. It doesn't mean that you're not going to love yourself. You're totally going to love yourself, but you want to progress beyond the things that are holding you back. And that's all it is, right? But people will come to me. What if I, you know, I will be the person. I, I, what if I'm not the person who does all the things, like who eats all the things at the parties, who um, doesn't have a care in the world? Like they tell themselves a story like if I can eat everything, if I don't have to think about it, then I don't have a care in the world. But I, what I always tell them is you totally have a care in the world. Right now you're worried and you have care and concern about your health, about your weight about what it's going to bring to you. If you're diabetic, you have concern about your blood sugars. Even though you're sitting at the 4th of July picnic and eating all the things, in the back of your head, you totally have worries about what all the things are going to do to your body, right? But you believe that you don't have a care in the world, like that being able to eat all the things means that you won't have a care in the world, and that's just not how it is, right? Sometimes it's the, um, I eat all the things and I'm the life of the party, or I drink all the things and I'm the life of the party, or I stay out with the girls all night and we stay up and we have beer and we drink or we eat the pizza. We do all the things, the same thing for my male clients who like, or I want to go out and I want to have beer at the football party with my friends and I want to eat the wings and I want to eat all the foods. Right. Or the other things like you take your kids out, like you go swimming in the summer and you're like, oh, I want to be the mom who goes and has all the things with her kids. I want to have all the ice cream with the kids after the pool. I want to stay up and cook holiday meals or holiday baked goods with my kids and eat them all because we believe that doing that makes us fun. But the fact is you can totally be fun without all of those things. You don't need all the food to make you fun like that we think that they go together but they totally don't go together and when you can break yourself from that thought 
when you can learn to have a different thought that's just as real, suddenly it becomes easier to live that naturally healthy life and be the person you want to be, right? What ends up happening in those scenarios is you end up being so in your brain about what you're doing to your health. Like, I know that I want to lose weight. I know it's important to my health that I lose weight, but I'm out with my friends and I'm eating all the things. And then you have this inner battle in your brain and you're focused on that and not on hanging out with your friends and finding out what they've been doing and how they're living their life and what's new in their life and how their spouses are and how their kids are. You're not doing any of that because you're so wrapped up in this battle in your brain about, do I eat that? Don't I do eat that? How am I you know, showing up for my goals? How am I advocating for what I need when I'm sitting here drinking the beer and eating the foods, right? So the other belief that clients come to me with and struggle with is they have a belief in the possibility that something different exists. They have a lack of belief. Some people totally have this belief. They know something more is out there. They just don't know how to get there. But other people come to me and they're like, I just don't believe something different is out there. I believe I'm destined to be sick. I believe that I'm destined to live an unhealthy life. So they have a lack of belief in the possibility of something different. Sometimes it's because they've never had success in that area before, so they just don't believe it's possible. Sometimes they believe something's really wrong with them, right? It's the hormones. It's either low testosterone or it's my menopausal hormones or my thyroid's off. Something's wrong with me. These folks will go and get every test under the sun ran on them. And maybe one's a little low, but still in the normal range, right? And they'll hang their hat on something's really wrong with me. I need to get this fixed. They'll try supplements to try to normalize their hormones. Sometimes they'll take hormone replacement therapies. And all of that's fine and well. Like you can normalize all your hormones if they're truly abnormal, or you can try to enhance your hormones if you think they're just on the low range. But what I offer to people is how about we just stop eating the foods that make us sick? How about we just cut the ho-hos out or the pizza? Or even it's innocent, right? Like, and this goes back to the belief, right? Like they're like, but I'm eating the healthy food. I'm eating the Quaker oats that say it's healthy for my heart. I'm eating the special case cereal. It says it's healthy for me. It says it's good for me, but I'm not getting the results. I'm eating the 49 grain bread. It's whole grains. It's good for me. It says so on the package. I'm doing all the things that are quote unquote healthy and it's not working. And of course that totally lends itself, like gives evidence to the belief that something's wrong. Like, I just don't know how to get it done. It's not possible. Like it's not working, right? So sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. Like you need to learn what truly is healthy for a human body. And sometimes it's lack of like knowledge that no, there's nothing wrong with your hormones, right? That's not the issue. Or even if you normalize your hormones, if you continue to eat foods that make you sick, you're not going to see the results that you want. So this lack of belief is what we coach on, right? Like, yeah, you can totally go get your hormones normalized. That's fine. But the knowledge that if you continue to eat junk food that makes you sick, it doesn't matter what your hormones are doing. They can be super duper normal. They can be totally optimized. If you continue to eat this food, you're not going to see the results you want. And so coaching, sometimes it's learning and sometimes it's just coaching on the belief that there is something more. Like, let's start believing that. Like, even if you normalize all your hormones, 
let's start believing that also changing the way that I eat will make a difference, right? Sometimes that's the work that we need to do in coaching. And then a lot of times people come to me with this story of, I should want something different, but I just don't. I should not want to eat pizza, but I do. I should want to live a healthier life, but I don't want to make the change. I don't want to make the sacrifice, right? And they believe that something's wrong with that. And again, that goes back to that competing desire. Like just because you don't have an organic desire that feels so real to you to live healthy, it doesn't mean anything's wrong. Nothing has gone wrong. You just have to learn to turn up the volume on the desire to live healthy and turn down the volume on the desire to eat pizza and ho-hos, right? That's the work that we do. That's where coaching comes in. This is why coaching gives permanent, long-lasting results versus doing something else. And I'm going to get into, you know, all the other things that people come to me with and they're like, well, I want to try all these other things. Maybe this will work. Before I start in on that, though, I want to talk briefly about shame because a lot of folks will come to me with shame. They are they're maybe they're leaders in their community and they know that they should be setting a better example and they just can't figure out how to set that better example. And they feel burdensome, debilitating shame with this. So if you have not, I'm going to talk a bit about Brene Brown. If you have not met, quote unquote, met Brene Brown and what I mean by meet her is yes, we would all love to meet her in person physically. But what I mean is if you haven't come across her work before and looked into her work, I highly recommend you look for it and you, you see what it is. She has a TED talk where she talks about vulnerability. It will change your life. She has many books out there where she talks about her research on shame and vulnerability. And again, it's life-changing information. I highly recommend it. But I love her work around shame because it really breaks it down into something that you can like apply to your life. So Brene Brown, she is a, a social scientist, a researcher. She uh, uses people's experiences and she quantifies them and puts them into research data to help us understand shame and vulnerability and guilt and some of these experiences that we all experience as human beings, but how it impacts our ability to do something different. So she talks about shame. She defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, we've done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of a connection. So that's how Brene Brown defines shame. She goes on to say that shame erodes that place in our brain that allows us or inspires us to take action. So when you're coming to me, telling me you feel shameful as a leader in your community because you can't figure out how to get healthy, you will struggle to even take the step to make a change, right? That shame erodes your ability to do that. And I think that's so impactful. So if you are one of those people that are feeling shame, that's the first thing we coach on, right? All of this is thought work. There's not a pill to fix shame. There's not a wiring of your jaw to wire it shut that fixes shame. Because even if you get on the pill, to like lose weight, right? Like you are still going to be like, oh, I'm so shameful that I have to get a pill to do this. Even if you can talk a dentist into wiring your jaw shut 
so that you can't eat. People see that, right? And you're like, oh, I feel so shameful. I had to go to this extreme to get my jaw wired shut because I can't figure it out, right? If shame is it, shame will stick with you. You have to fix the shame, okay? So that's sometimes our work. That's sometimes the work, the first thing that we do with coaching. Once we can get that thought error fixed, then we can start into the other stuff, okay? Fixing that burden of shame so that you're no longer incapacitated by it is sometimes our first step. And then sometimes we have these expectations that are squirrely. And this gets into like, again, the, I want to wire my mouth shut. I want a magic pill. I want the bariatric surgery, right? We have this expectation that there should be this lightning bolt phenomenon, right? Like I should be able to control alt delete my brain into a point where I just start thinking the thoughts that lead to the results I want, right? And that of course, isn't how it works. It's practicing. It's a tedious process of practicing a new thought. There is no lightning bolt phenomenon. There is no pill. Yes, you can go and get the weight loss pills. You can get the fentramine if you'd like, or you can get the more expensive one, which is a combination pill. You can totally do that. But if you don't change that thought, the moment you go off those pills, you will gain your weight back. You can get your mouth wired shut so that you physically can't eat. But until you change your thoughts, you're going to have to have your mouth wired shut for the rest of your life, right? This is what bariatric surgeries don't work, right? So the failure rate on bariatric surgery, I want to talk to you about this a moment. Bariatric surgery, the last time I looked at the numbers, it was going to cost you about $30,000, out of pocket usually. Some insurances will cover portions of it, but most of them don't but will cost you $30,000 to get this surgery done, right? This surgery involves all the risks of anesthesia. It involves all the risks of going under surgery, right? It permanently changes the physiology of your body. It permanently changes the intestinal structure, which of course changes the physiology of your body, how it works. I mean, we're talking hormones, we're talking vitamin absorption, we're talking all sorts of things, right? And that's permanent. You can't undo it once you've cut it out, right? But here's what I want to talk to you about the failure rates. If you look at the long-term failure rates, so long-term failure rates typically look at 10 years and what they define as failure is inability to keep 50% of the expected weight off. So when you go in to consult with somebody about doing a bariatric surgery, they will tell you what they expect you to lose. So let's just say it's 100 pounds. We expect you to lose 100 pounds with this surgery. We expect you to get that off because that's what's going to put you into a normal weight, right? Or I don't even know if they do it from a normal BMI, but they base it on a BMI and they have an expected amount of weight that you'll lose. Failure is considered the inability to keep 50% of that weight off at 10 years. So you go under the knife, you get the surgery, all the risks associated with the surgery, all the money finan- or, uh, invested in the surgery. And at 10 years, if your expected weight loss was going to be 100 pounds, you are unable to keep at least 50 pounds off. That is what's considered a failure rate. And here is the staggering statistics. The failure rate at that 10-year mark is somewhere between, depending on which study you look at, 30%, so one in three people, will not be able to maintain at least 50% of that weight off to 70%. So seven out of 10 people will not be able to maintain that 50% weight loss. Again, 
expected to lose 100 pounds, you can only keep 50 pounds off at that 10-year mark. If you can keep that 50 pounds off, you're considered a success. The people who can't, and that's somewhere between 30 to 70% of them, that's the failure rate. Those are considered the failures. So that's what we're looking at with all of these, like the expectation of it's going to be easier, right? Like it should be simple. I should be, something's going to make this easier. Either it's going to be the lightning bolt or it's going to be the pill or it's going to be my mouth wired shut or it's going to be surgery. Something should make this easier. Having that expectation that something's going to make it easier sets you back. Like that's just not how it works. You have to fix those thoughts. If you do not fix those thoughts, all of those other things will fail. And when you think about it, you can like just do the thought work, not have to take the pill, not get your mouth wired shut, not go through bariatric surgery. You can just fix it, right? So this is the great news. When you work with a coach, you unpack all of this. All of it is fixable. The only difference between folks who get the results they want, the weight loss, the normal blood sugars off their medications, they live that naturally healthy life. The only difference is that they've changed the thoughts and beliefs that they had about themselves and about what's possible. That's the only difference between folks who get the results and those who don't. Some folks understand how to do this on their own. Some people can figure this out all by themselves, but some of us, we struggle to get this figure out, figured out. This is where coaching comes in, right? Even if you're at a place where you aren't sure, and of course, from that uncertainty, uncertainty, you don't want to take the leap and start working with somebody. When you make the decision, though, from the place that maybe there is something more, maybe I can learn how to do it differently. When you can take action from that space, your energy totally shifts. Like you sign up, like lots of people come to me and they're like, I just want to get signed up. I don't know. I know that what you're offering is different than anything I've done before. I don't know, but I'm going to take this leap of faith. That leap of faith shifts your energy and suddenly you start to do things differently. It shifts your beliefs. It shifts your energy. You start to do things differently. And that's the first step, right? So whether you work with me, whether you work with another coach, whatever that looks like, that's the first step is taking that leap of faith and starting to figure out how to do it differently. So maybe that means that you're sending me an email, you send an email to Delane at DelaneMD.com and you set up a consult. Maybe that means that you subscribe to my podcast. So every Monday, every Sunday night, every Monday, it pops up for you that there's something for you to listen to, to help you start to do it differently, to learn how to do it differently. Whatever that means for you. Maybe it means you sign up with another person who does this kind of work. I highly recommend you do not sign up with somebody who's going to give you a shake, a potion, a pill, or something else, because that really is not what's going to fix you. You really have to change this thought, these beliefs that you have. Whatever that means, though, when you take that step, when you take that leap, your energy shifts, and that's where you start to see the change. So I highly recommend. I really, again, this once you're not pouring all of your energy into how do I do it differently? How do I fix this? Once you pour, you start pouring your energy into, I'm learning how to fix this, that's really where the change starts to happen. So maybe you've had a consult with me and you know what it entails and you just haven't like decided that you want to do that. Sometimes it's really just making that decision, sending that email off, telling me you're ready to go. Sometimes it's making that consult, setting that appointment for the consult and seeing what it's about. Whatever it is, I really highly encourage you to take that next step because that's really 
what needs to be done for you to start living that naturally healthy life. If you have any questions, you know you can always contact me at delanedelanemd.com. You can also find more information on my website, delanemd.com, and you can also find more information on my Facebook page at delanemd. So I hope you check all those things out. I hope you find it useful, and I will be back with you next week. I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.